Almighty God, have mercy upon us. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So it's a curious thing in our lectionary this morning that questions are asked in each of the readings. There was one in Acts, one in the Psalm, several in our Gospel. But I believe none of them are more demanding of an answer than the last question in our Gospel. And it goes like this. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? You know, Adeline, I think a better translation of this question for us this morning is this. Are not our hearts burning within us in Northwest DC as he has opened the scriptures to us. Scripture tells us in the book of Genesis, God created a world. And in the book of Exodus, God created a people. The Israelites were oppressed and enslaved under the brutality of Pharaoh, and God would commission a man named Moses. Moses whose ministry was built off of the foundation of strong and resilient women and who would stand barefoot in front of the glory of God. Moses would hear from the burning bush, God say, I have observed the misery of my people and I have seen their suffering and I am coming down to set them free out of Egypt and to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. Scripture then would testify to a God who would go to extreme lengths, destroying every bit of Pharaoh's property to set people free. This God, the God who is majestic and holy and awesome in glory, this God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is our God. Are not our hearts burning as Scripture has been revealed to us. Scripture tells us prophet after prophet after prophet speaks on behalf of the Lord our God to speak judgment and condemnation, to speak destruction and of apocalyptic chaos. In the opening chapter of Isaiah, before God even touches the lips of the prophet, Isaiah tells us that God is tired of our sacrifices tired of our burnt offerings, and God will no longer hear our prayers because blood is on our hands due to the evil that we have committed. But our God is compassionate and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Scripture would attest to a God who would hold back sending locusts on us and rather judge us on the metric of a summer fruit basket. Are not our hearts burning as Scripture has been revealed to us? Every single Sunday in Easter, we will hear from the Gospel of John except for this Sunday where we hear from the Gospel of Luke. 
within the Gospel of Luke, from the cradle, through the cross, and beyond the empty tomb, it is women who proclaim God's salvation, and God's salvation is today. Today, a Savior has been born. Today, the Scriptures have been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Are not our hearts burning? As Scripture has been revealed to us, more than in any other gospel, Jesus preaches woes to a community than in the Gospel of Luke. One of my favorite translations translates woes to you have it coming. You have it coming, you rich people. You have had all the comfort you are going to get. You have it coming, you who have a warm meal every night of the week while your neighbor sleeps outside neglected and cold. You have it coming. Are not our hearts burning? Holy Scripture is more than a text. It's more than a book. Our God did not write the Bible. Our Lord didn't write anything except in the dust. The Holy Bible, the Holy Scripture, is the living voice of God in our very midst if we dare open it. Scripture is God revealing God's self to us, and in that revelation, we become attuned to the work of the Holy Spirit. And as we are changed in the presence of God, Scripture teaches, convicts, and guides our ways of living so we can participate in the resurrection that started 2,000 years ago on that first Easter morning. Scripture has been put together by many voices over time and across generations that point to a God who is still saving us because this God loves us. And yes, Scripture is messy. Yes, Scripture contradicts itself and has been abused for imperial conquests and enslavement, and yet it's what we have, and it's enough. As Christians, Holy Scripture must have some kind of authority in our lives. We do not seek justice and rescue the oppressed because CNN tells us to do so. We do not defend the orphan and plead for the widow because MSNBC is running a segment on the topic. Certainly, the New York Times cannot tell us and teach us how to love our enemy. We do these things because we serve a God whose orientation towards the world has been this from the very, from the very beginning of creation. So then a theology that is lived and practiced and embodied lives off of principles that have been revealed in Scripture. 
We strengthen community because Scripture tells us in Acts that they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles, to prayer, to breaking bread and fellowship, and that they were even willing to sell their possessions to anyone who was in need. We practice faith because walking the way of the cross is the only way to life. We embrace our world because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We build capacity because scripture tells us that Jeremiah instructed a community to build houses and to plant gardens, not for the community that was there present, but also for the, co for the community to come. And we are an anti-racist church because scripture tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and darkness and spiritual wickedness. Then, because we know that, we get to demand a world where a 16-year-old black boy won't be shot in the head for simply making a mistake. Scripture tells us Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death Christ died. The death Christ died. He died to sin once and for all, and the life he lives, he lives to God who is his Father. And so, too, for you and me. We are dead to sin and made alive to Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. Are not our hearts burning? Two summers ago, I worked at a hospital in Olympia, Washington, where uh, the hospital was founded in the late 1800s by a group of nuns. And there were many stories and myths and legends that they would tell about the sisters. Um, and one of the stories went like this. There was one of the sisters, Sister Mary, who was really, really talented and gifted in working with kids at the hospital. She would go and visit their rooms and, and sit with the parents uh, as kids waited on test results and, and waited on, on other things. Um, and, and Sister Mary was just really, really great at her job. So one day, the nursing staff comes to Sister Mary in a panic. They go, Sister Mary, Sister Mary, please, 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 you have to come and visit this little girl. She is giving us all sorts of fits and problems. Please, 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 please come see her today. So Sister Mary goes and visits the little girl. She introduces herself. Come to find out the little girl's name is also Mary. And so Sister Mary and Mary begin to have this conversation back and forth. Um, and finally, Mary interrupts and goes, why are you here? Why are you visiting me in this hospital? I'm going to die here. There's no need for you to come. What do you have to offer me? And legend goes, uh, Sister Mary um, 
pulls out a Bible, breaks it open, and begins reading a story. So now this is how we know it's a really, really good legend. Because we, we're never told the story Sister Mary read, right? We don't know if it was something from the Old Testament. We don't know if it was probably a, a parable or, or probably possibly one of the healing miracles, right? We don't know what story Sister Mary read. But what we are told is this. For the first time in a while, Mary's heart began to burn with a joy unspeakable. And a hundred-yard smile came across her face. And she said, when you come to visit me tomorrow, please, Sister Mary, tell me that story again. Again. 